Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma radiated, sworn to protect the world that fears and hates it, and aired live every week, only on the non-productive network, the only place it would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in the studio, as always, by Pete and James. On Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, Good, Fair, and Poor to you newbies, and try to guide you on what to read and what might be better to avoid. You know what? This is it. The last issue of Powers of X. Powers of X number six, the end of Hoxbox. Yes. The end of Hoxbox as we know it. And the dawn of the dawn of X. <laughs> yes, that's the way <laughs> we say all these things. Are we sure it's not dawn of ten? No, we're not. Right. <laughs> I don't think anybody has even asked for clarification on yeah, that. Yeah, I don't um, think anybody cares anymore. We are definitely calling this Powers of X instead of Powers of Ten, which is the way the good Lord Hickman had wrought it. That was terrible. I don't even know what that means. There's Cut nothing that from the good podcast. about him. Uh, no, uh, don't get ahead of us. <laughs> we're not doing reviews yet. So yeah, Jonathan Hickman back on X-Men after uh, a while and... This is him reintroducing the X-Men into the Marvel Universe. This is the last issue. We're going to spoil it all. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to review all of this issue, Powers of Ten, number six, all of Powers of Ten in general, and uh, Hawksbox, the entire mini-series, the two, uh, the twin series that we've been reading for the past few weeks. Oh, boy. All right, for those of you uh, just who need a little bit of a refresher, uh, Powers of Ten was the book that took place during various epochs of the X-Men yes. mutant universe. Uh, the uh, X-Zero is the foundational moment where Xavier says, hey, I want to put together an X-Men group yeah. because my name has an X in it. Cool. X, X to the th- one. X to the one is the most of the timeline we see basically the the Krakoa period where they're yeah. they're trying to uh, make a whole new world for mutants. It's what the, most of House of X was in. Yep, it's the present day X Men. So uh, hard to, to to say that, but yeah, presu- sure. presumably about ten years after Xavier founded the X-Men. Right. Uh, X to the two, which we haven't seen much recently because it kind of had a nice bow around it, is about a hundred years into the future. uh, And it's like 10 to the second power. Sure. Yeah. I remember when we figured that out way too many issues (laughs) in. Uh, It was, uh, and it's basically the, the, the rise of, of Nimrod and, the I guess the days of future past kind of world. It's it's yeah. where mutants are hunted down to extinction, and there yeah. are robot people. Everywhere. But it was also completely different from any future that we've seen. Yeah, it wasn't a. There uh, were similarities, but some vague similarities. And a lot of the a big thing that Hickman's doing in all these books was bringing back some of the X Men's greatest hits, including Resurrection and Dying, which we talked about a lot in the last few issues of House don't of get, X. Don't step in your own flow, Frank. Indeed, and X three which is a thousand years into the future or so. And it's uh, the period of the Ascension, where, again, speaking of X-Men Greatest Hints, the Phalanx is summoned up to elevate the last or the rest of humanity, whatever that is now. We didn't, we haven't gotten an answer before issue uh, number six of Powers of Ten, uh, to elevate humanity into world mind thingamajig. Basically, we all become parts of this weird god, but we also lose our mortal form. Blah, 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 blah. So it's complex. And Powers of Ten is the most complex of the two stories. And we have been all over the place for the last six issues. This one, I think, does wrap it all up in a way that amazingly makes sense. 
it certainly clarifies a lot of things that I thought they weren't going to be able to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. So let's I guess so. Yeah. Let's let's get right into it. This in this book, uh we we find out uh, we we revisit that moment where Moira goes up to Xavier and says, "Listen, we played this game before. Here's everything that's ever happened. Now that you're caught up, Things are uh, problematic, right? Yeah. Xavier's like, yeah, totally problematic. Let's figure this one out. I was actually really a little upset about the way they recycled these panels again. And even House of X um, uh, party panels were reused in yeah. terms of art. Um, I think maybe we could talk about that at the end because mm. there's a little bit of, yeah, it, it is. it was unexpected that well, so much yeah. art was reused. And ju- just to say, it's like, it, that it took me a minute to realize that this was a... Uh, a larger size book that pretty much uh, accounted for. Mm. You still had about a regular book's worth of new panels, of right. New pages in this. All right. Well, then we'll, so we'll okay. let's deal with it from right now, since that's pretty much the whole thing. There was a lot of recycled art in this, yeah. uh, which was kind of interesting because it was a it was a journey. These twelve issues. I'm very glad you gave me that bit of information. I would I did not know this was a bigger book. Yeah. So yeah, I do kind of feel a little bit more. Uh, okay mm-hmm. with the fact that there was so much reused. So, yeah, but the, part of the story is is revisiting that moment where Moira uh, kind of guides Xavier, saying, like, this, there's, there's context to this universe that you're not aware of. Let me give it all to you. And that other big chunk of the story is with the librarian, who is now in this place that's effectively a, a mutant zoo, uh, a preserve. What's it called? The, the preserve. Yeah, where the last of mutants are, have survived and kept iterating or whatever for the last thousand years, and telling them, "Hey, by the way, all organic life on this earth is going to be wiped away when the phalanx comes and absorbs us." And I'm not really sure. I really like that because I'm not really like. I mean, do I want to be part of the galactic mind? Maybe this feels like a kind of like it's if you could put your brain in a jar. And live forever. Is that really living forever? Yeah. And the librarian has some interesting questions about that and goes to speak with the mutants. And that's where we find out that Wolverine's still around and somehow also Moira's still around. That's, we don't really address how that happens. They kind of do and don't, but yeah. So most of the story is giving us answers for how X2, is it? Was that was that correct? X two is the thousand year future line. No, X to the third is, is in it? the zero, one, two, and three. three. Yep. Okay, one thousand. Yeah. Oh, how many zeros there are? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great way of doing it. <laughs> Last issue. Son of yep. a bitch. Basic math tricks. Dogs. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, X to the third timeline. Last issue. Man, <laughs> we came upon this last issue. How many zeros? Okay, X of the third timeline. We we never really knew how this fits in with everything else. Now we know. I had been mulling over the possibility of what this was. I, I don't know about you guys, but I just assumed this was the the ending, right? That we were getting a tease yeah. of what the end of this entire storyline would be. But that wasn't true at all. Pete, a few issues back, or a few episodes back, pointed out that we don't see any knowledge or any information about Moira's sixth life, yeah. which is what this turned out to be, yeah. which is not something that I ever put together, even though it, it, it shouldn't have been a large jump to make, yeah. but I completely went over my head. I, I didn't get it either. 
Yeah, it's it's very clever how that works out, and I think that cleverness does uh, create my one nitpicky point that I didn't like about this. Um, but we'll I guess we'll get to it when we get to it. So effectively, X Zero and X One are part of of the Marvel universe we have always kind of known more or less, and it's certainly part of House of X. It's where we are now. Krakoa. Yeah, it, let's build a nation. Let's have a resurrection machine. All that. And Moira's current lifetime. Well, yeah, I guess current is very hard to determine. It's the one that we are now going to be following up on yeah. in future X-Men. The one that Moira's we're experiencing. Tenth. The, the X to the two timeline, which is two zeros, a hundred years mm-hmm. in the future. Son of a... Was tied into Moira's tenth uh, I believe life. it was the ninth. The ninth life. You're ninth right, correct. Life. Ninth yep. life. And the now we know that X to the three was tied into her sixth life. So it's the literally the same gimmick from that big twist book yeah. from a few issues about, back where Wolverine Including kills Wolverine Mo- yeah. killing her. Wolverine kills uh, Moira to send her back so that the X-Men has information on the creation of Nimrod, the mother mold. The same gimmick is done again for us to learn the big secret that is looming over all of X-Men. And perhaps the most shocking thing that Xavier learns that day on the bench is that X-Men or mutants always lose. No matter what, they're going to lose. With a sample size of nine times. Yeah, it's uh, when you think about it in that context, <laughs> it's like, huh, yeah. I, and I, literally, that did occur to me. I'm like, oh my God, they always, what would make them keep fighting? The, the heroic, the, 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 the guts to keep pushing after finding out you lose in nine different scenarios. All right, maybe. <laughs> I could see why they kept trying. Can you uh, imagine an Avengers Infinity War? Oh, Doctor uh, Strange went. I, just, I looked at nine different futures, and we don't we don't win in any of them. I would love to see a, a version of Doctor Strange reading this comic, going, hmm. <laughs> just looking down at Moira's. Now, get great. on it, meme artists. Yeah. Oh my God. We just wrote oh, that one I, for you. I yeah. feel like maybe Moira's look at these timelines are a little more detailed than Strange, as we would hope. Yeah, I was about to say Moira's from Moira's point of view, and maybe she could project that somewhat into Xavier it's pretty traumatic you're living for a thousand years multiple times or around that uh, just to you know have to start over again I don't even want to go back to save it wasn't even after nine tries don't because the first time she just lived a normal life yeah and died and then woke up the second one she never even met Xavier she died on a plane crash on the way over also she's starting to fight this at least by timeline nine Right. Uh, assumably, they might have done this a few times before that intentionally as well. Yeah. Right. Having her die. So they get the information they need. They try it. They see if there's a different outcome. Uh, yeah. yeah and- I didn't have a chance to do it. I want to go back and take a look at those timelines as they were outlined mm. to see what, if anything, changed after six. Mm. There, there. In her. Approach. I have read a couple of, uh, of breakdowns. For the other timelines uh, and what could have happened, uh, but I, to be perfectly honest, the other breakdowns weren't that interesting. They mm. were they are addressed in the book for the most part, if I'm correct. But uh, there are things like in this timeline, I tried killing everybody who was responsible yeah. for bringing about uh, AI, advanced AI, and then I realized AI was an was inevitability. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about the inevitability. So one thing we might want to talk about is uh, is uh, a little bit about whether this was a recycled surprise. 
in a way, I think that is a fair argument, although I don't know if the surprise aspect was as necessary. Uh, oh, do you want to address that point? Let's get, yeah, get that I, out I do think there's something a little more clarification we get to this that makes it a little more interesting. I, I think if I'm interpreting the stuff we've read and the stuff in the notes and the stuff they said and the way the librarian talked, we get a finality to Moira's surprise, right? He, he seems to suggest that if Moira dies now, that his eventuality will never come to pass. Assuming she will do something to stop it from happening, yes. Uh, or, or even that parallel, um, that multidimensional parallel universe theory is not applicable here, right? Uh, meaning, not that he dies by Wolverine's hand, but if he were to leave and then let them just do it, that his timeline will not play out in its own way, right? That Moira's lives overwrite the last one, which I think means a hell of a lot. Oh yeah, it's. Ve- I think that is part of this. That when she resets, like all the lives that aren't the life she's currently living, the tenth life, which is what we assume is her most right. recent, her most recent life, are lives that didn't happen. Although there, we've had characters who've questioned that existence, I think to her saying like, "Oh, what does that even mean? Where I don't exist in if you don't make it?" Uh, I think that's deep. And I think uh, I think the librarian may be playing with it, and also I think he, they are playing with the idea that you know Moyer is going to attempt to stop this. That way, if I pull myself out and become a god, if I, a librarian, become part of the Godhead, then maybe I don't care that you uh, have another world where I don't exist. It's very deep. It gets very complicated. I think, in terms of whether this was a surprise as valuable as the one from, I wish we knew what issue it was, but that recycle that Wolverine kills Moira and she restarts uh, and with now with more information. I, I was surprised, even though I was reading all of the X3 timeline, that this was also a, a, a fake out, not even a fake out, a expositionary timeline. And I think because I was surprised the this whole reveal was worth it. I totally agree with that, particularly because they give you all the information to put it together. They show you that the sixth timeline isn't happening. They show you this trick that, you know, they've done it before. It It's all there. I feel like you definitely could have made that leap and guessed this was the missing timeline. You know, I just didn't. And I think that that makes it feel worth it, at least to me. Yeah, I, I as far as I'm concerned, I am I am also happy with it. Uh, and there was a little bit of like, a, oh man, if you had blinked, you would have missed it. Like it, it was right there in front of you and you couldn't see it. Uh, and it, I think it's a very interesting way to bring up another really great concept Hickman is introducing to the X-Men here. So what we've long established with mutants is that mutants are the ev- next evolutionary leap for humanity, right? That That, that is the inevitable future for humanity. Mm-hmm. But, and you could get it, you get the, like, junior high slash high school science that suggests that, mutants and evolution and et cetera, even though typically mutants don't have laser beams coming out of their eyes. Uh, You get it. But this book does a wonderful job of introducing or just putting, laying bare what exactly humanity is doing with machines to circumvent that. 
And effectively, there is another branch of humanity. This isn't just introducing yet another like weird alien race or some or like inhumans or any kind of other fictional thing. It's I think the the word for it I, I lost that you have it in front of you. Homo novissum. So you're the, I'm literally the worst person to ask for that. Yeah, novissima. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, thank you. By the way, for those yeah. of you uh, interested, Homo novissima. Novissima essentially translates into like newest. Okay, yeah. cool. That makes sense. This this other branch of humanity is arguably, I know this is controversial in the real world, where we're heading in reality. Eventually, we could theoretically, we avoid natural selection because we're no longer doing this naturally. Genetic engineering outpaces evolution mm-hmm. by leaks. It's, it's certainly the subject of our best fiction. You know, <laughs> yes, very uh, <laughs> diplomatic way of putting it, and some of our most terrifying nonfiction, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but the the concept is really, it's sound. It makes sense that the librarian uh, explains it to Moira and Wolverine. Mutants are an evolutionary response to an environment. You are naturally occurring. But what happens when humanity stops being beholden to its environment? When man controls the building blocks of biology and technology, evolution is no match for genetic engineering. So yeah, I mean it's. It is an interesting concept. If you're thinking of mutants as simply just the next step of evolution, and we've always had this kind of humans backed by machines, usually sentinels in X-Men comic books, uh, are the natural enemy of mutants, that dichotomy was always just sort of like fun. It was action figures and toys. Now it's almost real science. It feels at least informed. It's like almost hard sci-fi. You know what I'm talking about? Does it, almost. Does any of this make any sense to you? Yeah, yeah, I get where you're going with this. I just put a couple of things together, and I think Hickman, whether intentionally or unintentionally, told us how this whole thing is eventually going to play out. Oh? He told us that the heroes win. Because if you remember, the, the librarian goes into the fact that if he's allowed to become part of the, uh, the world mind then the world mind exists outside of time and space and wouldn't allow her to Go back continue again. going back. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that means that however it happens, uh, the, good guys, well, the good guys win. Well, I think the good the guys X- is what confused me. Yeah, the, the X-Men, X-Men prevent, prevail. They, um, they prevent... Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true mm-hmm. because think of it this way. Um, the... The humanity almost made world mind in this, in in Moira's yeah. uh, sixth life. Uh, and the only thing that stopped them was Moira dying a few minutes. Uh, like, they, yeah, like if yeah. she had been killed a few minutes prior, they could have done it. So I, I, I feel like Moira can keep, like, I, I think that they can allow Moira to keep resurrecting and not be harmed there, as long as there's a version of it where she dies before whenever the whatever the ritual where they that, achieve their stuff yeah, before yeah. she dies and resets uh no, yeah i think if she dies before uh she dies to no effect and before she, uh, they are even concerned with what's happening mm. you know she dies in the next 10 years and then mutants fizzle out and she doesn't get a, a respawn afterwards then they're okay yeah why would mm. they go back and stop her from resurrecting she's going to have no effect we did, though, if you want to talk a little bit about uh, teases, if uh, in the supplemental material between the uh, the kind of rehash of the party, 
we do get a look into some of the future of what's going to happen, as well as kind of a look back at Moira's narrative for this whole thing, which I found really fascinating. First, that she kind of puts herself out as to be an untruthful narrator, that she's not going to allow Xavier back into her mind multiple times to kind of pick and choose the things he wants out of that, right? She's going to be the one picking and choosing. She's controlling the narrative, at Control least. that yeah. narrative. Um, and then the journal entries go, I think, beyond what we've seen. There's a note to losing Magneto and to Moira faking her own death, which, as far as we know, by the time um, I the Council of X happens... I don't think that's accurate. I think that's referring to past... Because in, uh, in the X-Men continuity we've known for the last number of years, okay, so these Moira be, has been dead. Okay, so these might be so real I think, past I think what we're events. doing is we're explaining stuff... Yeah. How we got to, because, you know, got it. okay. it's explaining the conflict between Magneto and Charles that we've always known. Got it. So they, and, you know, oh, they're fighting again. Yeah. Uh, oh, I faked my death. Okay. All right, cool. That's something I didn't know as someone who hasn't been reading constantly. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, yeah. And I'm I, glad we finally got kind of an explanation as to why Moira is alive now when we thought she was dead. Okay, cool. This. So what do we think about this ultimate truth, which is pretty much the entirety of powers of X or powers of 10, number six, uh, that the mutants always lose. Ignore the fact that the sample size is relatively small, (laughs) which is humorous, but I think, you know, they, uh, you say that if you've lived a thousand years to find the hard truth, that your life is meaningless, you know, uh, what do we think about this? Cause that really is the hidden truth that Moira is trying to hide from all of other mutants. And like, is it? I believe it is. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm actually going to be a little bit disappointed if it is. Because, first of all, the X-Men in the books that I've been reading for years, I don't think knowing that they were, lo- they were fighting a losing fight would stop them from fighting. That mm. was kind of always the point of the X-Men. They were constantly fighting to save and protect a world that hates and fears them. And all they had was just a hope. Right. But this is removing that hope. Right? So what this is basically saying, and it's not to say that Xavier will not become like evil or that is being influenced by someone else, but the, the, what we have in front of us, the, only the two miniseries we've got, suggests that part of why Xavier is behaving differently now is because that hope was eroded somehow, that Moira broke him to some degree. Uh, whether that lasts or not, who knows? But this is, a, this is knowing with certainty that there is no hope for you. You're going to end up being destroyed. Your people are going to be wiped away. See, I don't know. Again, first of all, I agree with what you said about uh, about Xavier being broken there, mm-hmm. uh, and I think th- this this issue did a lot to convince me that this might actually be Xavier. Although it leaves me with the question: Was everything that he's ever said about his dream in the comic books in the past a lie, a performance? Mm. Since the moment where he's broken takes place before he finds he, he found the X Men. Does know? it though? Because again, that, that point where he's where he's sitting on the bench with Moira. No, because Moira goes and says, "You know, yeah. I will have to break you." You know, I, I get the impression that it's like this is something I will work on over time. So yeah, he, I do. I, I and from feeling, the interstitials afterwards, yeah, or the exactly. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, no, you're you're right. They're on the bench. She even says that you know you've never changed, you never lose hope. But it's not a compliment, right? Right. So I think he's yeah. still lingering. Although he's gotten horrible news, he's like there's still something about him that is the Xavier we've known through all the years. But at some point or other, the reality of how extreme this all is does seem to break into him to some degree. I'm curious at what point in the history that we've read so far that's supposed to happen. I think this is the grayest thing about what these books do is at what point does the Moira Reno, because it feels almost like the Moira we've seen in normal continuity was one of the earlier, like X3, like her sixth or third or fourth life seemed like it was the Moira we always knew, but this suggests it isn't. Right. Um, uh, James, what do you think about the hopelessness that this introduces? I don't know. It's it's kind of the hardest thing to process from this issue. Um, I think like Pete, I've always seen the X-Men as people who have always been fighting a losing battle. And I don't know if the reality of that would change them. Only maybe because it's such a big concept to wrap your head around. Like, it, honestly, if you had come to me and said, hey, I've seen all future outcomes of this world because I've been reincarnated, I would probably, even with all these crazy powers, it would still be a hard concept to grasp and believe and really wrap my head around as being so finite. Mm-hmm. And, you you and, know, but what, isn't it a metaphor like in general, right? The X-Men in this allegory is us, right? It's just kind of pointing that lens back on us to say that maybe it's a, a metaphor for climate change or for war or for whatever, you know, we can turn this back on ourselves and say, isn't all of our lives so, so finite? Don't we always, won't we always lose hmm. to evolution, to some greater power, to the history of the universe? To death. And, and and those concepts are just, there will always be, but that doesn't stop us from living our lives to the fullest in some way. So I, I, I love it. I think that the X-Men have always fought up against this this hopeless battle, but I, I think what we're discounting or what you guys are discounting is that they have never had proof of the hopelessness. I don't, I think it's a much different story to say, hey, you know, we all die one day and someone telling you, you will die in three days, right? I think there's a difference to that scenario and knowing what they in the fictions have no reason to doubt, right? That this is pretty um, definitive that they are hopeless. Having that be the Sword of Damocles over the X-Men's heads is much more interesting than, well, there's a secret thing that Moira is not telling you. She's actually infected by the MacGuffin virus. And (laughs) that this is going to... I think this is much more interesting. And I think it's... uh, And I think it's still core to what the X-Men end, fighting against a world that fears and hates them. But it's, again, it's it's folding that back into the mythos, back into the story of what the X-Men are doing. They are not inevitable in a way that is a good thing. In fact, almost certainly whatever happens in their future is going to be bad. But, you know, you got to keep fighting because you're still heroes. You're still the main characters. So, yeah, at the end of the story, we do get a vision of that party scene that we saw at the end of House of X number six. I think where House of X seemed very positive and uplifting, like this is this is all going to work out. Everything is going to be okay. Powers of X seems to be more ominous. Mm. That there's a little bit of a dark tinge to this. That that despite the fact that things might look like they're going to be okay, things are nowhere near certain, and uh, there is a looming 
fatality that that sort of stands in the background of everything. This is where I like the reuse of those same panels, right? It's maybe a, it feels a little cheaper with the Moira stuff in the beginning, but here because of the tonal change feels stronger. This party doesn't, you know, in my mind instead of there being happy music and all of the you know, the yub nub, as Pete said last time, <laughs> you know, this is kind of, it's got like this dark and kind of like strong presence to it. And and Magneto's, Eric's particular statement, you know, at the end where he will die, you know, over and over again because he's not ashamed of what he is and accepting kind of honestly what sounds like a brutal lifetime of, of work, mm-hmm. you know, just... It stings a little bit. It hurts in a way that you don't want to imagine. I think we all struggle with the idea of being to to work for what we're what we want, but this seems this seems awful. Yeah, I I, I, I it was very unsettling for me, partially because of my read on what the truth is out there that this is almost inevitable or um or destined to fail for them, that they're going to keep pushing and, in fact, make things worse for themselves somehow. Pete, do you have a, a read on this scene? I'm curious about yours if you uh, have a different read on what the uh, the truth might be. I honestly don't know what to make out of this scene. Honestly, it, it felt kind of tacked on to me. I didn't get an awful lot that we didn't already know. I guess my biggest question from it is, what is Magneto? Or what does Magneto think he is? What does he mean by, I'm not ashamed of what I am? I think he uh, it's a bad person, like a, a villain, a mutant villain. I think that's core to who he is. And, you know, if peaceful solutions don't work out, he doesn't mind crushing humanity. Because uh, I think there is a future for X-Men where, that aren't necessarily willing to play ball with humans anymore. I think As it, evident from the whole incursion into the space base. I think it also adds a little bit more to that looming apocalypse shot which seems maybe a little out of place in house of x yeah. uh it it kind of draws a parallel between him and magneto that i don't know if they've you know and you can tell me if they've mm. committed to a bit stronger in other versions of these characters but it, i've always seen is magneto never quite going as far as apocalypse but that might be different here i don't know i i think uh see i i, I kind of disagree with your point that magneto is the villain I've never really seen Magneto as a villain. I think to humanity is what I mean. Like, uh, an, uh, like willing to do the things that classic Xavier would be unwilling to do in order to save mutants. Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't right. know about that. Yeah. Let's wrap this. We're going to do our rankings of this book and of the series as a whole. James, you had the biggest problem and you're the newest X-Men reader in the group. What do you think? Um, I actually really like this book, mostly because it surprised me at how well it tied up all of the things that I thought there was absolutely no way it was going to be able to touch on in even a double supersized issue. Um, so I'm going to go straight out and give it a mint. Really? Yeah, oh, I liked it. Good. How about Powers of X in general? Like Powers that? of X as a whole, I think, is rockier. Really? Um, it, it's so tough because it's hard to separate it from House of X and all of the stuff I loved with House of X, particularly because a lot of big moments from the, the timeline that plays out in House of X is in this as well. But I think it fumbled a lot more than House of X. And it, it was a little bit harder to follow, maybe intentionally, 
because of the things they were trying to hide. But I mean, also just as a new reader, it was or a reader who's not as stooped in the lore of these characters. I definitely found myself scrambling for uh, material and, and trying to figure out some things that context, I just didn't know, yeah. some context I just didn't have. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a near mint. All right. All right. Same score, but uh, more of an asterisk to it. Got it. All right, Pete, what do you think? Uh, let's see. By the way, are we going to do all of Hoxpox after oh, at this? at the very end. Okay, yeah. good. I'd say for Powers of X6, I have some issues with clarity in the book. And uh, I, I was impressed with uh, how they were able to bring... It's hard to call it a conclusion, because this really is a stepping off point. Yeah, it's for, an introduction, this whole thing. Yeah, this is yeah. the prologue. Um, but I think they managed that Hickman managed to make it a satisfying conclusion to the journey that we've just taken in a, a way that was better than I was afraid it was going to be. I can only give this one a near mint, All right. just because of the problems. As for the entire series, Powers of X, <sighs> ambitious. <laughs> Very ambitious. I, I admire Hickman trying to tie in almost all of X-Men's past mm. into this, including, you know, the, the use of the phalanx, which I totally did not expect going into this. I think it was a little bit too nebulous, and I wasn't entirely left with questions that I necessarily want answered, I guess. So I'll, I'll give the, the series a near mint. All right. All right. So for me, Powers of X and, and number six and the entire series, uh, we'll get the same score. I'll try to use less <laughs> words than my, my other uh, two hosts have used. I think that the story w had an incredible range to it. The It was impressive that there was so much touched upon in the X-Men universe in these in these books but there were times where i just felt like oh this is interesting uh, almost the entirety of x3 up until the very end i was like huh all right whatever like, i'm not sure what <laughs> yeah. this fan fiction is but okay cool uh, but i did really enjoy how this all played out however i do have one gripe that i will bring up before i read my rank so i'm taking it back i'm going to use more words <laughs> than you guys i don't get the chronology or the numerology of Moira's lifespans. I don't understand how this one that was explored in this book and how powers of 10 number six was her sixth incarnation. Meanwhile, Nimrod was number nine, right? That feels, I mean, I, I'm in my head. I'm already coming up with reasons for it, but it feels like, all right, first thing I'm going to do thousand years, end of the world, figure out how this all goes down, and once I do, I'm going to go back to the beginning and tell everyone. I mean, that's how I do and, it. But, okay, and then you figured it out, and then you're like, oh, crap, how did that Nimrod get made again? Alright, fine. <laughs> One more life. <laughs> this but actually this sounds exactly like how this plan would go all right, if I were doing that, it. Maybe that's why. So my <laughs> only problem with it is the numbering of it, because I'm like, well, why did you, like, it seemed like the Nimrod thing should have been the last <laughs> thing you researched before trying your death life. But now I love the idea. The two great images from this podcast is, is, is Dr. Strange going, <laughs> just shrugging off Moira's <laughs> 10 attempts to look into the future <laughs> and Moira going damn it what I forgot <laughs> I didn't look up Nimrod creation damn it I knew I should have done that the last time all right Wolverine fine. do that thing you do all right 100 years. <laughs> 
but anyways, my review for back. Powers mm-hmm. of X, uh, damn it, Powers of Ten, is Near Mint. Triple Near Mint! Woo! Woo! Uh, now, Triple the, Near Minty action. If you look into our history books, what? Uh, or to the podcast logs, what also? House of X, I believe, as a series, got a triple mint. Yeah. I think we all gave it a triple mint. And now Powers of X got a triple near mint, which is pretty damn impressive. I think we need to discuss Hoxpox in general. Let's do uh, Rose and Thorns. Your least favorite things, your most favorite things. Try to be concise about it, and we'll just do this. James, would you mind going first? I think my least favorite thing was, um, I'll double back on the the stuff in Powers of Ten that I think was just a little bit hard to follow. Yeah. Um, you know, like Fair you enough. said, the last timeline, it's like, this is a thing. Until, it's cute. All right. <laughs> yeah. Until, you know, it was like, oh, this was an important thing, I guess. Um, the, the best thing is just, I honestly think uh, the Moira reveal was yeah, just was so awesome. Very good. Very good. Uh uh, we'll do our rankings at the very end. Pete, how about your your Rose and Thorn? Uh, Rose, I'd have to say, was Hickman's respect for the source material. Mm-hmm. It's like you could tell that he wasn't trying to erase anything that happened before. Right. Thorn's a little too complicated, I guess, which is a weird thing for an X Men book. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> wow, it's too complicated for an X Men book. But yeah, Impossible. I kind of I kind of felt that. All right, uh, for me, my thorns were the ones I brought up last time. There were a few uh, interstitial areas I felt like who's narrating this, who's writing this, because so many of them are so strong. Even the ones in this book, uh, Moira's journal is very much Moira's voice. But some of the things like. Xavier has been powerful enough to do this three times. It feels like a weird flex. It didn't have like a, it, it wasn't accurate. And there's a couple places where the story just sort of meanders in worlds that you don't know mean anything until well later. But the rose is 100% how much Hickman made me think about X Men mainstays, including things that I didn't even think were X Men mainstays, like Resurrection. Right, I didn't. I would have never. I would have jokingly said, "Oh man, X Men dying. What else is new?" Like at a comic book shop. Here, I'm like, "Oh, that's part of them now. That's part of what they are about." And uh, mutations versus uh, uh, genetic engineering. The whole thing so deep, so brilliant, and that's why I give Hoxbox a mint. I'm giving the entire thing, all twelve issues, a mint. James. I would say the same thing. Uh, a mint, as Pete kind of said, it is just so ambitious. The fact that it even comes close to delivering on some of this stuff yeah. is worth me, you know, as as a particularly as a new reader, kind of overlooking some of the problems I had with it. There is a part in this where, in one of Sinister's asides, he talks about uh, Thunderbird, a mutant that may have been the one he took the gene, mutant gene from. And I'm like, Thunderbird? I looked him up, and I'm like, there's there's so much about Thunderbird that touches on Krakoa and death and resurrection, but it means nothing. It has no <laughs> real place in the story as far as we know, certainly in the 12 issues we read, but it fits so perfectly. All right, Pete. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that, because that's kind of what I feel draws back on this story a little bit. That there were... It, it was very good tying into all the old stuff, but there were so many more logical opportunities 
Thunderbird tying into Krakoa plus Resurrection, why wasn't he a part of this? It was a very good series. Better than I was afraid it would be. But there was still room for it to be better. And there are X-Men stories out there like The Age of Apocalypse or Onslaught that are a lot more clear-cut, face-forward classics that those ones are mints. This just barely is a near mint. And this podcast is also just barely a near mint. I think one thing we've discovered <laughs> is that uh, this run on Hickman is 100% going to be vital for you if you want to read X-Men in the next couple of years. Oh, definitely. Right. It is the intro to the Dawn of X, which is the, the X-Men comics we are reading now. Just released or revealed at New York Comic Con, a slew of comics coming from uh, from the House of X-Ideas. Has anybody... Uh I have looked not, into these. And I, I have a couple of the titles I want to run off real quick. We've got X-Men, Marauders, Exc- uh, Excalibur, Excalibur, X-Force, New Mutants, Fallen Angels, all number one, all coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, actually, yeah, I think maybe coming X-Men. From between now and uh, November 13th. Yeah, all right. Yeah, X-Men and, is next week. I'm I'm very excited to be reading X-Men books again, which, I mean, if anything, that's what it does. That's what the... Uh, that's what this kind of thing is supposed to be about. A couple of highlights from that. Marauders, which is X-Men pirates, essentially. Of course. That does awesome. sound awesome. Led by Kitty Pride. Actual tales on the high seas. One of the things that will be important, and, and we've said it before, is you know that as long as these these books need to tell good stories with this prologue, yes. you know, yeah. or else this prologue kind of fades into being like, that was a neat experiment. Yeah. Keep an eye on Excalibur if you want answers to uh, how Apocalypse fits into all of this. Oh, yeah. Because he's actually going to be a member of the team. Ooh. <laughs> Silly. But okay. And then X-Force also looks very good uh, because that's going to almost be like a CSI, <laughs> not a C, uh, Law and Order type. Oh, all right. Where you've got this uh, X-Force is essentially the mutant, cr- the Krakoan CIA. No, I am 100% interested in this. I am all on board. <laughs> where you split into two teams, like the intelligent I am, field team. I am so ready this for this one. Be very interesting. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Near Mint or our entire Hawksbox run, please like, follow, and subscribe so you can get the latest in your podcatcher of choice. And please leave us a good review. Uh, we really need more people to find out about the show. And if you can leave us a five-star review and say we are good for your ears, then that helps us make internet money somehow. Maybe. Well, just also just tell your friends. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, old, I mean, old if you want to do an analog, Ugh, just a suggestion from the old man here. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.